Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. But before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Human Octane. If you're the kind of person who pushes the limit, then you've got to check out Human Octane Apparel. Training and racing apparel designed by OCR athletes, and these guys just get it. Everything they make dries lightning fast, has zippered pockets, is abrasion resistant in high contact areas without bulky padding. I've gotten to know these guys, and trust me, they're going to out-innovate the competition when it comes to OCR gear. Check them out at humanoctane.com. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. Okay, so here we are. It is a few days before Christmas. I'm back in the saddle, and let me just go ahead, and before we get rolling here, apologize for being missing in action for the last three weeks. I had gone to Mexico to celebrate my birthday, came home, was home a day, caught a plane to the East Coast to freeze my butt off in Jersey, then freeze my butt off again in New York and freeze my butt off again in Philly. It's just been a whirlwind over the past three weeks, but I'm back and we're going to make it count. We're going to get some really good content out here for you leading into the new year. And I have Sabretooth Sean Khan with me to discuss various things. But one of the things we're going to talk about is the recap of his Dallas Marathon. As he explained it to me, his experience having participated in his first marathon. I thought just the details of what he experienced is going to resonate with a lot of you folks. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to kick the can down the road a little bit about the clinics we just did, the one coming up. And then we're going to talk again. Now that you're kind of coming out of the off season, if you had an off season, planning and moving forward into 2018, try to give you some advice on how to approach all of this and uh by then we should have this pretty well capped off so sean how's your tooth brother you know i uh i'm definitely gonna go by same tooth sean now i think that is a fantastic nickname uh I, to, to all those of why rich is asking me about my teeth i got wisdom teeth surgery yesterday and i actually feel amazing right now i don't know if the anesthesia is still there or antibiotics but Feeling good, Rich, uh, like you. It's been a crazy three weeks for me uh, with the marathon, and I feel like, uh, you know, with uh, the flu season coming about, it, it's gotten me. So training in between that and trying to get better, uh, it's been a challenge, but what a great experience as well. Cool. Now, yeah, I like the name Sabretooth, you know? Sounds powerful, <laughs> right? I like I, I love it, so uh, I'm, I'm using that from now on. <laughs> you know, I could just see all the cool shit you could make, like a T-shirt with a, like a saber-toothed tiger's face on it, you know. Maybe you could even yeah. get like a headdress, you know, with a, I don't know. Maybe I'm going a little crazy here. Maybe a necklace with a saber-tooth just to start, and then we'll, we'll yeah. think of other accessories. <laughs> and then when you go over obstacles, if you had these like big claws, right? Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to get, especially in the mud, oh, 
Yeah, so right. innovative. Okay, so we're going to quit playing games here and let's get on to business. I want you, Absolutely. if you could, just kind of reel out as efficiently as you can leading up to your marathon, the Dallas Marathon, and your hopes and aspirations. And then let's talk about the outcome because, honestly, I believe that tons of people hearing what you have to say about this are going to go, yeah, yeah, that was me too, right? There's a lot of me too going on okay. with this, right? So let's go. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much I had about six weeks to train for this marathon. After OCR World Championships, I took a bit of time off just because the racing schedule got hectic and then went right into marathon training. So, you know, to the advice of you to what my coach um, uh, has programmed for me, uh, pretty much really got into higher mileage weeks as well as some speed work. Uh, to really, you know, get the legs going and really focused a lot of my training on running, uh, did not really focus on, on grip strength at all. Um, so throughout that time, unfortunately, that six weeks ended up turning into three or four weeks because I got pretty sick. So unfortunately, uh, I was on a 10 day antibiotic recall, um, had to go through that and then kind of modify my training. So I think with every, everybody, sometimes, you know, um, life hits you and you got to manage it. But for the most part, I felt really good, um, you know, in terms of a 15-mile time trial. I hit kind of the goal pace of what I wanted to do, which, uh, you know, made me feel really good. And as I was doing these longer runs, uh, I was getting closer to, you know, I wanted a 320 marathon. It was really ambitious um, because that's a 738 pace um, to, to maintain throughout all 26 miles. Uh, probably 330 was more realistic, but, you know, uh, you, you, we all have goals. So getting up to the week of, uh, felt pretty good, felt pretty good about the goal. Uh, health was good. So, you know, went in there and, uh, had a plan and the plan was to start aerobic, um, pretty much for the first few miles, really, really get my feet wet. Uh, just kind of get the lay of the land, get a feeling for the race, get warmed up. And, uh, weirdly enough, uh, a few things happened before and after the race. Uh, I wore something called a spy belt, which is an, uh, a belt, a holster that can hold six gels. One of the gels fell out before the race started and another gel fell out as I was running. So I was pretty much down to four gels, uh, and also, um, used kind of just two gels, uh, as they were giving it at mile nine and 19. So that was a challenge in itself. I started out really well, um, you know, for the first part of the race, I maintained the plan. Uh, I'd say to about mile 15, I felt pretty good about at least getting closer and closer to that pace. I believe I was at around a 750 uh, for s the first 15 miles. Uh, and then what I started to find around 16, 17, 18, still was feeling all right, but my legs were kind of locked into about an eight minute pace. Um, and then around mile 19 and 20, I really just started to feel it. My legs were just kind of just starting the knees started to buckle um the pain started to come in uh you know for me maybe what i learned is a little more electrolyte uh, supplementation i took an electrolyte every 30 minutes uh, maybe i i needed to take more but uh regardless i think that's what you see as a first time marathoner from what i've heard and then obviously uh talking to a few people um and then mile 20 uh not only did i have a hill in terms of mentally to climb but there was a hill in front of me to climb uh, that probably was around, you know, 200 feet of elevation. So not, not too much, but, um, at that point in the race, when you see something like that and you have not stopped moving and then you see, you know, you see that, 
uh, that's, I think, what just kind of mentally had me just w- walking and running. And then around mile 22, mile 23, I was I was just kind of ha- trying to hang on uh, and, and, you know, really just trying to go after it in terms of literally pushing with everything I could. And then when I just felt like I couldn't, I just sped, speed walked for about 10 to 20 seconds and then kept going until I got to the finish line and finished around at, at around 345. So what I learned from it is obviously, uh, you know, uh, to the value of things like time trials. Uh, I know if you guys listened to a podcast before Rich and I talked about it, uh, in regards to my training, but anybody else's training, uh, this is something that I think you need to spend a lot of time with. Uh, and then also too, I think for me, I've never ran more than 15 miles in my entire life until that day. So, um, you know, it, it I learned a lot of things that day. Obviously, I was a little disappointed in not achieving the, the goal, but at the same time, uh, it's a great learning experience, and uh, I think it kind of fueled my fire in, in terms of also learning where I want to race in terms of distance um, for the future. So, Do you recall the conversation we had when we were discussing the time trials? Oh, yeah. Do you recall what I predicted your finish time would be? Uh three i think 330 with the just the eight minute because we look remember we looked at the marathon pace chart and then you looked at the aerobic uh and i believe it was i believe it was north of 330 so yeah it was 345 <laughs> oh was it yeah oh man that's funny <laughs> when you told me have... when you told me that you ran a 345 i just had to have a little chuckle because i remember doing the math and based on what you were telling me your time trials were looking like, I predicted that that would be probably where about you'd finish. Yeah. So, and there so you go. what you experienced is very, very common. Yep. Everything, you know, what did Mike Tyson say? Everybody's got a plan until you get punched until in the face. Until you get punched in the face, yeah. <laughs> and you get punched in the face about mile 20. Yeah. And that's the infamous wall. Just look at the timeline. If you're at that point in and around three hours, depending mm-hmm. on the level of uh, glycogen stores you started out with and how quickly you're burning through it, you just got to respect that when you start to get dangerously low in your glycogen stores, you're going to hit that wall and you're going to get into some big trouble. Now, mm-hmm. you were commenting about the, the number of gels that you were carrying along with you. That mm-hmm. was way too many gels, I, I think. I think so, too. <clears throat> I think that if you get to a place where you actually consume six gels, your next stop is going to be the porta potty, because <laughs> that just that just leans you right into GI trouble. Yeah, and you're, that all that sugar in your stomach just it starts coming back, and and you know, and then if you're lucky, you find a porta potty that doesn't have a line, right? Oh yeah, no kidding. I don't know how many horror stories I've I've heard from people that had a weight. 15 minutes in line for a porta potty that they just didn't feel comfortable passing. Well, it's funny you say that because I almost missed my corral time because of that. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I wanted to go to the bathroom. My corral started at eight. I went in the line at like seven thirty-five, and I, yeah, yeah, I pretty much got out of the bathroom at seven fifty-five. So yeah. Uh, right. I mean, well, again, so I guess part of what I'm saying is I feel kind of vindicated. Not for you so much, but just the con- yeah. the concept of the importance of putting on these progressive time trials. And mm-hmm. in my book, I talk about very specifically preparing for a marathon 
And I call for, generally I call for two 20-mile time trials. The first one, you keep aerobic the entire way with a focus on making sure that you're keeping your, your feeding strategy in check and really, really being diligent about the timeline in which you feed and drink. And then identifying how long it takes you to cover that distance, assuming that you stayed aerobic the entire way. Yeah. So regardless of pace strategy, you look down, and if your heart rate is starting to show you that you're going over and you you respect it, you're going to slow down. You're going to get to a place where you're going to have to slow down if you're going to maintain that heart rate. That's an outcome, right? So you have to respect that. And then you get to that 20-mile mark, you take notes, you pay attention to what occurred, when you felt like you might have had a little bit more room, when you feel like you could have dropped the hammer. Second time trial, you experiment with that theory. It might go well, it may not. Could very well be that you need another time trial to really, really know where you're at with all of this. And then, of course, not ask your body to do something it's not trained to do. If you haven't been putting an adequate amount of volume in your training leading up to that event, you're pretty much going to run into the same problem. So I'll bet dollars to donuts the next race, if you do another marathon, which you may not want to do for a while, but if you do another marathon, you're going to make that timeline you're looking for. You're going to drop another 20 minutes because you're going to be smarter. I don't think it's a function of you having the speed to do it. I just think that there were some gross errors in the training that led you to that mishap. And yeah, sometimes you got to get punched in the face to know what it feels like, right? Oh, yeah. And I think any do- anytime someone does an event like that and, you, you, yeah, you see that distance and you see that kind of wall, it's a learning experience. I don't take it as a, a failure. Um, I take it as, just, you know, something to your point. I'm going to do another marathon. It's probably not going to be next year. It's going to be the year after, but... It's a painful experience the first time around. Oh, yeah. It happened to me, if it makes you feel any better. The first time time I ran a marathon, I got to the 20-mile mark, and I was, like, talking to the crowd. What's the big deal? Everybody's talking about this wall. You know, what's what's up with this wall? I don't see no – (laughs) bam. Then you get punched in the face, right? And, I mean, literally, I'm wobbling up and down the road trying to find myself and – and it never got really better. I, I did, you know, make a commanding charge to the finish line afterwards, but it was painful. And then I dro- I think I dropped uh, I dropped about 18 minutes the second time I, I Your next it. one? Yeah. Same course, 18-minute drop cool. v- the very next year. So I feel your pain, you know. I mean, I did that, by the way, that my first marathon was in 1981, I think it was. Yeah, 1981. Okay. So... Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about, I suggested early in, in the podcast already that I want to talk about leading into the, to the new season in 2018. Absolutely. Uh, but before I do that, I just really have to discuss this clinic or the series of clinics we did in the East Coast. First of all, what a great bunch of people. Uh, I had a chance to see some old friends, people that have attended my clinics in the past, I had a chance to work with some of my clients that uh, I've been working with virtually. It was fun to finally get hand-on-hand with them and kind of get them to really embrace some of the work, get a chance to do the diagnostics on them so we're, no, we're not guessing anymore. We had a chance to really nail that down. And uh, Jersey was great. We had like, it's funny, I show up, 
the weather's great, and then the weather starts going south, right? It's like the Diaz curse. I come to the East Coast. They're going, yeah, it's going to be all right. It's probably going to be in the 40s. We've got seven inches of snow, right? Something like that. All I know it was it was well it was well up onto my shin, the snow, uh, and that was uh, it was snowing all. You should go to the bigger OCR events. Yeah, I went to, uh, I you know we went to the hotel and we we did testing all day, looking out the window, and snowflakes abundant. It just was coming down, man, all day long, and and they kept saying, oh no no, this is gonna burn off, this is gonna melt. I'm like. Yeah, well, some of it's going to melt, but the other seven inches is probably going to be there. Oh, my God. We got to the track, and if anybody's uh, yeah. seen some of the video clips or whatever, we got to the track, and you couldn't see the track. It just was a fence around a lot of white snow. You couldn't tell the difference between the, snow, the, the track and the infield. It was just white, right? It was hilarious. But fortunately, the weather was, was uh, pretty forgiving. It, it was almost warm. And much to the chagrin of the folks in that clinic, I got them running in the snow barefoot. Oh, wow. Yeah, you should have heard them complaining. It was amazing. And then <laughs> when we went to Philly, the weather was not much better. But fortunately, Alex Schwab, I believe. I, I, forgive me, Alex, if I screw up your last name. But he has, uh, he's coaching in this place called iMetal. I think that's what it was named. It's like an indoor, looks like half a football field, AstroTurf. And he goes, hey, man, nobody's going to be in there. Why don't you want to use this? And I'm going, yeah. So it was so cool. I actually had a stage to preach from. I had a uh, dry erase board. It was just amazing. I, I wanted to stay in there all day. And my wife was like, come on, man, we got to get outside now, you know, got to get outside. So we were, we spent a lot of time inside. We covered a lot of ground and a lot of things I normally don't get a chance to cover. And then we went outside and I had them do some running in the snow. We did some hill repeats. I had them doing burpees in the snow. It was great. It was great. We did some, some serious work. So all in all, it was an amazing, amazing visit. I want to give a shout out to 4.0. And Amir, who was uh, just great, he, he was he was gracious enough to help set all this up for us. And they're trying to get me to come back in March. And I don't know about that because we're supposed to go to British Columbia. We're talking to Allison Tai, who's invited us to come out. And she's trying to get this set up for us. So we're looking at a date in March that should get posted very, very soon. And then, of course, we've got January here which I'm very excited about. Got Yancey, Yancey coming out, and uh, he's going to shoulder up with The me. Super Clinic. The Super Clinic. I've uh, talked to uh. some folk that are coming that should be fun to play with. I know uh, Faye Stenning's planning on coming out. VJ Jones is going to come out, coach him, so he's definitely coming out. And uh, talk to Stephanie Bishop. She's going to come out so I can do a little work for her. And uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I'm very look at, looking forward to that. But... Um, Anyway, on to, on to the offseason. I want to try to get this wrapped up in about 35 minutes or so because, unfortunately, my life is not my own anymore. i got clients waiting for me. <laughs> uh, Happy holidays. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know what I'm complaining about. It's good stuff, right? All right, so oh, uh, we talked, last time we did this show, we talked about 
the offseason. We, talk, yep. we talked about the importance of taking an offseason, allowing the body to recover, and essentially we talked about what kind of things you should do, how to cut the volume, things like that. But guess what? It's starting to look like 2018's around the corner. And I know most of the athletes I work with have already started to schedule events they plan on racing. And when you put it in your head, the next step is to put it in your body, right? Yep. And so what are we doing now? What are we doing? We've got an off-season, and we're trying to lead back into the race season. We want to come out with guns blaring. We want to make a good showing for ourselves in the early season. So, first of all, let me ask you, what races do you have planned? Uh, so, for me, uh, I've kind of made a bit of a diverse schedule in terms of going to do a few road races again, but not a marathon, uh, a few trail races. And then I plan to do World's Toughest. Uh, so, that's kind of my A race. 2017 helped me learn what I wanted to do. I did 12 races. 10 OCRs, two road races, and I found that I really like to do some road racing, some trail racing, and OCR. So I'm doing seven races next year, uh, with World's Toughest Mudder in November being kind of the main event for me uh, next year. Um, so really, uh, I'm starting with a half marathon in March. Um, I'm doing the Toughest Mudder in Texas, so that's the eight-hour uh, race, and then I'm uh, doing a Bone Frog Endurance race. Uh, as well as uh, a potential 50-mile race in August to kind of uh, get ready for World's Toughest and then a few other races. So, All right, so for the, for the first part of the season, your focus is going to be on doing some road racing and trail races. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm doing a half marathon in March 24th, and then the next race will actually be Tough Mudder because they're going to come down to Texas uh, for one of the toughest series. So that's going to be May 5th. So those are going to be the, the first two races. And then the next race is going to be a, a bone frog race, uh, uh, their eight hour race in, uh, New Jersey on June 16th. And then, uh, from there, uh, I have some time off and I believe that, that I'm going to do uh, a trail 50 mile race in August sometime. I haven't decided that though. All right, so your sure, schedule but... is your schedule for the season is basically going long. Yep, you're planning, going long. You're going to go long. You're not going to go the other yeah. way. So you made your bones. You you made a decision yeah. that you want to focus on going long with. Uh, yep. Your A race being world's toughest. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good plan, yes, sir. Now I think a lot yeah. of the people that I work with realize that I just got through working with about 50 OCR athletes in the past uh, week, and what I end up hearing commonly is just a random assortment of events. Just basically, they're looking at the calendar, what's close to me, and I want to do all of them, is kind of what a lot of people are doing. They're just trying to get into races. Well, I could, I could tell you, I could tell you I did that last year. So I was that person. You know, last year was kind of my first year, or this year, sorry, it was my first year of really doing racing. I, I would say it's my first year of actually endurance racing, especially with your your kind of uh, advice in terms of running and things like that. And that was my plan. You know, I did all the local races. I did races that, hey, like, you know, oh, is Spartans in the area? Let me do that. You know, so I didn't kind of understand, hey, like, what do I, what this, this year coming up is what I want to do. And I think that's like what, uh, what you should kind of schedule your race schedule, not, not the flavor of the week, you know, as we right. say. Yeah. 
Well, what I was going to suggest is going into the new season, we need to start looking at time trials again. And if I sound like yep. a broken record, we're, we've taken some time off. But if you were smart and you cut your volume pretty much in half, you're getting ready to start up and get back into the season. You need to find out where you are. I actually wrote a workout for the ANSI camp folk that I, I'm working with that laid this out very nicely. And essentially what I'm asking them to do is to, in their heart of hearts, figure out what type of races they're hoping to face first off. So if your goal is to get into the sprint game early, which quite frankly I like, I like that, uh, that approach, you need to do time trials that are associated with the distance you plan to race. So I like to see a couple time trials. I like to see like a 5K time trial staying aerobic the entire distance. If you plan on running over some terrain, then find a course where you can repeat the effort and cover 5K staying aerobic. And then just kind of assess the damage, get a sense of where you are. Give yourself a couple days and then come back out and go out and do the same thing, but this time give it your best effort. Go as hard as you can to complete that 5K and just take a look at the difference between the first and the final time trials to see how much difference is, is in play there. Surprisingly, people will find that the difference in time is not that significant. And you start to get a sense of, okay, I went out balls to the wall and I ran, for example, a 20-minute 5K. I ran aerobically and I got it done in 22 and a half minutes, all right? But at least now you know kind of where you are. If you're going to go into an event like that, I would like to see people back off of a lot of the strength training, especially external overload. So maybe keep body weight exercises in play, but for the first month, all through the month of January, your focus should be on honing in on your run. Get your run dialed in. Get your legs underneath you. Work on developing your VO2 max because that's going to be critical. And really start undulating in and out. Do some lactate tolerance training. And just really, if you've got 10 hours worth of training that you plan to do in a week, I would like to see about eight hours dedicated to running and two hours dedicated to maintaining grip strength and just keeping in check with your upper body strength. Because here's what I know, is that when you dedicate that amount of time to your running and you start to back down off of the volume in your training, you can get your strength back in a matter of a couple weeks. The strength that you need to successfully navigate most of these courses, you can, you can keep it kind of in play and then really build it up in just a matter of two, three weeks, and you'll have your strength back. But if you try to get your speed up in a matter of a couple weeks, it's not going to be there for you. It's going to take a little bit more time in development. So I like to see people spend a little bit more energy focused on the running end of things, and then come back at it and start fortifying their strength. Now, if you do these time trials and you find that your race pace is not far off of what it was in your peak season the following or the previous year, 
Well, then maybe you don't need to dedicate as much time to it. If you find that you're failing a lot of these obstacles, then clearly you need to, to dedicate more time to your strength. But the important thing is to address the, the situation at hand, figure out what's lacking and what needs to be addressed, and then put the energy into that. But the time trials are a great way to determine whether you've got that strength. You could also, I mean, if, if you look at the strength training component of the thing, you could also do some strength tests to see whether you've really dropped off your, your strength. If you're starting to get a little concerned about that, if you have weaknesses along the chain, let's say, for example, you have issues with your back. Whenever you do lifts, you're trying to flip a tire or something like that, or you've had issues with just your, your general ability to, to pull your body weight. You know, maybe you need to spend a little bit more energy on that. But I think there's a point of diminishing return if you put too much energy into that type of work early. And you can never go wrong. You can't win a race if you can't run fast. I don't think anybody's argued with me on that point yet. So I absolutely believe that the critical thing to do early in the season is A, focus on the distance that you plan to race first. And you should chronologically set up your events so they get progressively longer. Now, in your case, because your intent is to go long all season and progressively working into longer and longer events, I'm with you on the half marathon. I'm with you on doing those eight-hour events. I think it's a real prudent plan. It's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, especially for someone that is kind of new to that realm, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm just – for me, I want to schedule less – so I can train more and then also focus more on, on time on feet and then also just building my mileage up to, to get to be more sufficient at those distances. So It's interesting to note that I got hands and hands with 50 thereabouts OCR athletes of all calibers over the past week or so. Mm -hmm. You know what the common thread was among them? Low mileage, racing instead of training, or racing assuming that the racing is a supplement to training of course and injuries <laughs> injuries of course yeah. i could have spent I, mean, I could have spent two days in, tri in triage yeah. taping people that had issues with their knees with their back with their feet plantar fasciitis achilles tendonitis sprained ankles uh, it band syndrome issues with their quadratus lumborum, low back, shoulder. Everybody was jacked up. And the common thread among those lower extremity injuries was no volume in their training. And clearly, a lot of it had to do with the fact that their running mechanics was... Yeah. It needed, it needed some work. But trying to do more when the wheels are falling off the bus is certainly not a good plan. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the, excite the excitement takes over. I mean, that's that's I think what it is, especially with uh, just a, a growing sport. You know, everybody wants to race. But, you know, to the points that we've had, I think uh, those that went to your clinics uh, are going to benefit uh, greatly from, you know, uh, the advice you've given and then also uh, proper running mechanics. So they should see less injuries. Well, yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they yeah. will. I mean, generally what we see before the clinics over is a complete turnaround of the way people are moving. It's, mm -hmm. it's really kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. Oh, but yeah. Anyway, here's what I want to do, Sean, because okay. I am running with a crazy schedule. I want to do another podcast this week. And 
in a more leisurely fashion, I want to really address the issues of the new season and maybe look at how to periodize the training leading into the season. For a lot of people, they don't even understand the concept of periodization, but we should talk about that a little bit. We should talk about what needs to happen in what order and how to start setting up a very successful race season. What do you think? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm game. You know I am. So. All right. All right. Well, uh, for now, we're going to cut this short. And uh, I'm back. I'm, I'm in it with a vengeance. By the way, those of you that voted for me, or for us, I should say, for the uh, Mud Run Guides podcast extraordinaire for OCR, thank you. Those of you that didn't, well, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> right? Better luck. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, no, we really appreciate everybody that voted uh, for us. Uh, at, you know, uh, the reason we do this is for the audience. So, you know, more than anything, uh, thank you for those who voted for us. When does when the results come out? Do you know? Uh, I think closer to the end of the year. So I'm not specific on exactly when those results came out but i believe it's before the end of the year so well if we don't win it's clear that some people are just not paying attention yeah it'd be interesting uh to see those uh that voted or uh yeah i mean just the the amount of uh running mechanics for those who didn't vote for us so right yeah well <laughs> i think what i'm going to do at the clinics from now on is ask if they voted first <laughs> <laughs> And then if they didn't, uh, charge them an extra hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I won't charge them more money. I'll just, uh, I'll, uh, I'll have them go ask the guy that they voted for to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Oh, All right, man. Sean. Thanks a lot. I got to run. I got, uh, I got people burning up my lab down there right now. That sounds good, Rich. Talk to you guys before the end of the week. Going to talk to you before Christmas. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.